0: The sermon text from this morning is from Joshua 1, 1 to 11. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I have promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp, and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go into Take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right, so this weekend, uh, I, I had a long car ride home from a uh, camp that we, were, we went to, and I listened to this podcast about the movie Taken uh, with Liam Neeson. You remember that one? I was reminded, listening to this podcast of just how awesome a movie that is. It's just a really good movie. Um, if you have seen it before, you know it's the story of Liam Neeson. He plays this uh, former CIA black ops agent whose daughter gets kidnapped and taken away. And uh, in the movie, in the beginning, there's this scene where they're, he's talking on the phone to his daughter and the bad guys show up and they grab her. Um, and the bad guy ends up with the phone with Liam Neeson on the other end. And I'm sure if you've seen the movie, you all remember that, that speech, right? Where he's like, I don't have money, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Right? Yeah, I know that was a really good impression. I know that's what you're thinking. You're like, maybe if you do the whole sermon in that voice, we'd pay attention. Um, it's a pretty good movie though. Liam Neeson, he, he gives that speech and then he goes out into the world to like conquer the world by himself to fight off this whole army with no hint or clue where he needs to go. But it's one by one, he takes everybody out until he rescues his daughter. And uh, that's, I don't know about you, but when I hear uh, the, the phrase, be strong and courageous, like we read in this passage, that's the kind of thing that tends to come to my mind, right? This brave hero with the odds against him, one man versus the world, who's going to go out against overwhelming odds, and he's going to save everybody. That's what I think about. That's what I think about when I think about being strong and courageous, but that's really uh, not what this book is about. You might think of the book of Joshua, if you've read it before, as a book with lots of battles, um, a book where there are some heroes that, that do have victories against overwhelming odds. But that's not the point. Uh, That's that's not what this book is, is really all about. This book is about people who are weak. This book is about people whose strength comes not from their own ability, but from their dependence on God. It's a book about not pursuing some personal conquest, but it's about surrender. It's about obedience to the Lord. And so today, as we get oriented to this book, we're going to go through the whole thing this fall. As we get oriented to the story we're about to get into, I want to do a few things. First, I want to just tell us where we are in the Bible. What's going on when we start the book of Joshua? Get us caught up a little bit. And then I want to look at the path to courage that we see in this text and the promise of God. So the path to courage and the promise of God. Okay, but first, let's, let's talk about Joshua a little bit. The book of Joshua, it is the sixth book of the Bible, the sixth book in the Old Testament. It begins in the same setting where the book of Deuteronomy ends. Uh, it comes right afterwards. In fact, in the Hebrew, it starts with the word and. To let you know, the story is just continuing on. And if you remember, uh, we studied Deuteronomy last year. Uh, Deuteronomy, it's the people, the setting are, they're at the edge of the promised land. After 40 years of wandering, they're they're standing there, getting ready to enter. And now as we look into the book of Joshua, we find out that Moses has just died. The great leader, right, Moses, who had led the people out of Egypt who had led them through their wanderings, who had personally gone up to the mountaintop and received the Ten Commandments and brought it down for, from the people. The, the leader who was the greatest leader Israel would ever know, he has just died. On the last page of Deuteronomy right before this, it tells us that when he died, the people mourned for him for 30 days. And then it has this little note. There has not arisen a prophet since like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. He says there's never been anyone like him again. He's dead. So this could have been a moment for despair. It could have been a moment for discouragement. It could have felt like a pretty bleak time to lose such a great leader. But in fact, it is not. Instead, these people are pretty hopeful. These people are excited because they are looking ahead. Joshua said something in this passage that as I've thought about it this week, try to get my mind around what it would be like to hear these words. I imagine they would have been really thrilling did you, you know which verse I'm talking about? Did you hear it when, when Jen read it for us? It was verse 11 of chapter 1. He says, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people. Prepare your provisions for within three days you're to pass over this Jordan and go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. He says, in three days, in three days, we're going to the promised land. In case you don't know, the reason why it's called the promised land is because it had been promised for a really long time. The promise, it was, it went back way before Joshua, way before Moses even. It was before, not just the people left Egypt, but long before the people entered Egypt, this land had been promised to them. Before Joseph had been sold into slavery, before Jacob and Esau, before Isaac and Rebekah, all the way back to Abraham, the promise goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Maybe you remember the story. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in your name the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then it says, When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram, and He said, To your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So, this promise. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine what it would be like to be three days away from a promise that has taken 500 years to be fulfilled? I mean, I I get really excited when my Amazon package is about to arrive, and that only takes two days. (laughs) Can you imagine waiting 500 years for something and knowing that it was three days away? And it wasn't just any kind of promise either, right? This promise that God was going to give his people a land to dwell in was a promise that had shaped their entire lives. You might remember, this is not the first time the people have been on the edge of the promised land. Forty years before this, right? They had been in the very same circumstance. Moses had brought them through the wilderness up to the edge of the promised land and to get prepared for their conquest, he sent 12 spies into the land. Do you remember this story? He sent in 12 spies to find out what's the best way to enter, what's our strategy going to be, And when they came back, 10 of those 12 men, instead of coming out with a battle plan, they came out and they said, we better not go. The odds are against us. These people are too powerful. They are too strong. We're never going to make it. If we go in, we're going to lose. And Scripture tells us in the book of Numbers that only two men out of the whole nation of Israel, other than the leaders, out of two men... Caleb and Joshua, they were the only one who believed God's promises. They were the only one who stayed faithful. It tells us in uh, Numbers chapter 14, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land. It says, when they heard about everyone rebelling, they tore their clothes. And they said to the congregation of the people of Israel, this land which we passed through to spy out, is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into this land and He will give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But it says, then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. So these people, they rise up and they rebel, and Moses pleads for them. And in the end, God says to them, because of their unfaithfulness, they're going to be punished. And this is the sentence. He says, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness and all your number listed in the census, everybody from 20 years of age and upward who have grumbled against me, not one of you shall come into the land that I swore to make you dwell, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Now picture it. Here we are, In this book, at the beginning of Joshua. And we're not reading about that unfaithful generation that came to the footstep 40 years ago, but these are the people who have grown up knowing that story. These are the people whose entire lives have been preparing for the moment when we come back to that place, as they have been trudging day after day through the sand and the heat as they've been living this nomadic life in the cold nights, as their children have been born, as the elderly die off, every single day they are thinking about this day. Every single day they're looking at this moment when they're going to enter, and now they hear the words, in three days we're going to the promised land. In three days you are going to have the chance to make this right. You're going to have the chance to undo the damage of your parents' generation. In three days, all of this wandering is going to be over if if you respond not with unbelief and fear like they did, but if you respond with faith and courage. So that's where we are. That leads us up to the the point where we get to chapter 1 of Joshua. But now the question is, how are they going to do that? How are they going to have that courage? Where are they going to get the courage from? Where does courage come from to, to face such a great task? And that's what I want us to look at right now. The path to courage. That's what I think we can learn about as we study this text in Joshua chapter 1. I mean, there's, honestly, there's a ton of things we can learn from this book. I think uh, we're going to find as we look at this over the next... 12 weeks or so that um, the book of Joshua has a, a lot to say to our modern culture in fact we're calling the series believing the promise because in almost every story of this book you encounter some people who are at a crossroads you encounter people who are are faced with the challenge will they believe the promises of God Will they follow him in faith and obedience? Will they be courageous? Or will they look for another way? Will they try to find a way apart from his instructions? Will they try to find their own way and and seek happiness there? That theme, will we believe, is one of the central themes of this book. And let's be honest, that's also one of our central themes of our daily life, right? Right? Can I really trust God? Is God really to be trusted? For Christians, that's not a uh, a question we answer once. We don't just answer that question that first moment when we decide to trust Jesus for our salvation. That's a question we've got to answer every day. Every moment of every day, we're, we're faced with those kinds of obstacles. In the Gospel of John, Jesus, he says in John chapter 10... The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what Jesus says, but we struggle with that piece of truth, don't we? We struggle with that promise that a life surrendered to God, that a life lived in obedience to Him is going to be a life of abundance. Just the other day, I was watching some clip of a late night talk show and the host was talking to one of his guests who was like this famous director or something and they were just chatting. It was an uneventful clip. I don't know even why I was watching it. But they were talking about the school that their kids went to and these two guys who were clearly like multi-millionaires, were just chatting about all the luxuries of this wonderful school that they went to and how they often run into other extremely famous people going to that school. He talked about Harrison Ford flipping pancakes in the uh, breakfast line, you know, doing service for the kids. And it just happened that as they were having that discussion, my own children were at a school without air conditioning and it was 97 degrees outside. And I was thinking, is this the abundant life? (laughs) Is this the one? Am am I sure about this? Who who has abundance again? Do you ever find yourself in that place? Maybe you're scrolling through Facebook and you're looking at other people's pictures and you, you have that thought. Or maybe there's a moment where you're just frustrated with your job or your roommate or your marriage Or your lack of a marriage. Maybe there's some financial struggle that you're you're dealing with. But whatever it is, we we often find ourselves in these moments where we are just aware of the hardship of our lives. Where we're aware of the tough stuff. And oftentimes, in those moments, our instinct is to turn away. Our instinct is to look around and say you know that path actually looks better I know scripture it just it says that the thief it, he comes to steal and kill and to destroy me but man it looks alright to me and so you decide well maybe this one time I don't really need to honor the Lord maybe, maybe I can find some abundance over there ...instead of this hard life over here. And so you try. Maybe you uh, open up a browser... ...and you go to some website that you shouldn't go to. Maybe you belittle your spouse in an argument. Maybe you threaten to leave. Maybe you go to a club and you meet somebody... (laughs) that you shouldn't be with. Or maybe you just turn to something like money or food or or alcohol or entertainment and you say, this is going to give me the thing that I really need. Whatever it is, my point is we come to these crossroads a thousand times a day. We come to these crossroads all the time. And in those moments, the call to follow Jesus into an abundant life, the call to believe the promise to be faithful to God, it's not an easy one. In the first chapter of, of Joshua, here, you know, did you hear it? Joshua is told to be strong and courageous four different times. It's chapter, it's verse uh, six, seven, nine, and then there's one at the, the last verse of this chapter that we didn't read. But four different times, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why would you give somebody the exact same instruction four different times. I know we have some parents here with with young kids. I don't know if any of your youngest ones have started school yet, Um, but this is how it goes when you are sending your, your smallest one off to school for that first day, whether it's preschool or kindergarten. You try to lead up to that event by telling them lots of reassuring things. You say, you know, it's gonna be scary. But it's gonna, you're going to love your teacher. She's really nice. School's going to be a lot of fun. Don't worry. As you're walking your, your child to the door, you say, I'm going to be right here at, at you know, 2.30 2 30 to pick you up. You don't have to be afraid. It's going to be a lot of fun. And why do you tell your kid that over and over and over again? Because you know they're going to be scared. You know that the the chance of getting to school and then having a total meltdown is pretty likely. That Even though you've been repeating that stuff, you're telling them because you know they're going to to be afraid. They're going to be anxious. That's what God's doing here with Joshua. God lets him hear this charge over and over. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous because he knows how hard it's going to be. Because Joshua is just like all the rest of us. He is a a sinful and weak human being and, and we, as sinful and weak human beings, we have a hard time trusting the Lord. He knows Joshua needs to be reminded over and over because as they head into this book, he is going to be tempted over and over to turn away. He knows he needs this reminder as they're about to go march into the land of Canaan. He knows Joshua is going to be tempted. Even though Joshua is the greatest man in all of Israel. He is the most experienced person in the entire nation. This is a guy who witnessed firsthand as Moses came down from the mountaintop with the Ten Commandments. This guy walked through the Red Sea as it was parted. This guy has already been to the Promised Land. He was one of the spies. He saw that it was a good land and and he was faithful and he believed. He has a long resume of faith. And yet, God knew he was going to struggle. God knew he needed this reminder to be strong and courageous because he's not any different from any other man or woman in this regard. That's who we are. This is our story, right? We struggle. We struggle to believe that a life of obedience to God is a life of abundance. And so we turn and we find this thief who is waiting to destroy us, to rob our faith, to pull us away from joyfully trusting in God and instead throw us into this despairing and anxious place of self-reliance. Maybe some of you have been there this week. Maybe you know really well what I'm talking about. And it's not a coincidence either, in the middle of this, after he's told him twice to be strong and courageous god gives him another charge he says verse 8 this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for that will make then you will be prosperous and then you will have good success God tells him in the middle of these instructions that the path to courage, the way to this courage, goes directly through the written word of God. The only thing that's going to be strong enough to counter our temptation to fear, the only thing that is strong enough to combat the lies that we're going to hear, that we're going to be tempted to believe, is if we have a steady diet of the truth. So that means this verse, it's the opposite of every Disney movie that we watch, right? I watch a lot of Disney movies these days with my kids. And in every single one of them, it seems, there's a point at which some princess breaks into a song. And the theme of that song is, just look inside of yourself and you're going to find the strength you need to keep going. Something like that. That maybe has a better tune. This is the opposite of that, right? God is saying here, you're not going to find the strength inside He says, you need to look outside of yourself from strength. When things get hard, you're going to have to look to me. You're going to have to listen to my word. If you want to stand in the face of the enemy's lies, then you're going to need to fill yourself with the truth. And notice, God tells him this at the beginning, right? He tells them three days before the battle has even started. Because at the moment of the battle, it's already too late, right? Right? When when things start to get really hard, that's not the moment to try to fill yourself up with the truth, right? As as Joshua is going to be staring down an army of Canaanites, that's not going to be the time to run back to the ark and open it up and pull out some tablets and sit down with a scroll and try to remember all the things that Moses has said. No, he says before you get to the battle, you need to fill yourself up with the truth. In fact, the way he says it, he doesn't just say you need to read the word. But he says you need to have it constantly on your mouth. right? You need to talk about it. You need to meditate on it. You need to make it, uh, you need to absorb it. You need to make it a part of yourself. He says you need to make it one of those things that you, you do without thinking. That the word of God would become a part of you. And look, okay. Let me get practical here. I know that a lot of you all in this room are struggling with sin. You are struggling really hard with some sin in your life. You're wrestling with pride. You're wrestling with envy, with lust, with hatred, with anger, with fear, with unbelief. And you don't know what to do. You feel like you can't win. You frequently are are stumbling and, and falling. And you're getting beat up. And you don't know why you're so weak when the promises of God seem to be so big. Well, could it be that the reason is that the truth is not in you? At least not the way that it could be. My introduction to the New Testament class when I was in undergrad, I think I've, I've shared this with you before, but um, at the beginning of that class, my teacher asked everyone in the room, who believed that the Bible was the written word of God? And we were in the Bible belt at the time, and most of the class raised their hand. You know, gave us a little confidence, I guess, the Christians in the room, like, oh, look at us. But then the next question he asked was okay, it's the word of God delivered to you from on high. How many of you have read it? Cover to cover. How many of you read all of it? And a lot less hands went up. Right? And then to add insult to injury he said, uh, who's read all the Harry Potter books? (laughs) And once again all the hands were back up. It was pretty brutal. And I I know, it's nothing new for a pastor to tell you you need to read the Bible. But you need to read the Bible. You probably have a long list of reasons why you don't. You know, you're really busy. There's not enough time. But let let me just ask you this. If you haven't spent time in the Word, well, do you know every joke in in the office? Uh, Do you know every scene in, in Game of Thrones? Can you name every character in the Marvel Universe? You probably can. We we can't expect to win a daily war with sin if we're doing it in our own strength. We have to be people of the Word. You have to be a man of the word You have to be a woman of the Word. You need to know the Word of God. If you want the strength to fight, you can't wait until the enemy is upon you. And there's a million ways you can get started with that. I, I would recommend our Bible reading plan that we have. We've been doing it for like two and a half years already. This week we're reading... I think Psalm 73 to 89, easy place to start, like less than a, uh, it's just a few verses a day that you can read and, and contemplate, but, but get started somewhere. Prepare yourselves for the battle that we're in. That is the path to courage. That's what we should be doing. If you want to be strong and courageous, then you need to fill your life with the truth. So uh, that's the path to courage. That's what we find here. But let me tell you really quickly about the promise of God. This is actually, uh, I'm really excited to be studying Joshua this fall. I'm, I'm happy to even look at these, these verses. You know, I memorized this verse when I, was in, when I was like 12 years old. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. It was like the NIV translation that I think they've changed since then, so I don't know. But, but uh, I, I've known this verse for a long time, and I was reminded this week as I was studying it just how badly I needed to hear it today. Because I am a man who has a hard time seeing with the eyes of faith. Most of the time, I feel like my life... Maybe you guys can relate. I just feel like it's one set of demands on top of another. I feel like everything's up to me. Whether it's at work, whether it's at home, there's just all these things that I'm expected to do. And I feel like I need to be one of those heroes. I need to be like Liam Neeson is in Taken, right? Just put the world on my shoulders and go out and conquer. But I'm not up to the task. I'm not that good. I'm not that able. In other words, I am a person who is quick uh, to trust in my own strength. And oftentimes when, when things get tough, when they get really hard for me, instead of being full of the word and able to combat that, instead of finding abundance and courage in God, I just get lost in my fear. I get lost in my anxiety. I get lost in my insecurities. I'm a person that's really quick to be defeated by the lies. To be defeated by that enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy my joy. And a lot of times it is because I am not properly filled with the truth, with the word of God. But there's good news for me here, and if that's like you, there's good news for you here as well. Because one thing we're going to notice as we study this this book about this big conquest is the war that we are in is not like Joshua's war. The war that we are a part of is, is a war that has already been won. See, our ultimate victory, it's not dependent upon My effort to get the Word inside of me. In fact, because I'm so weak, because you are so weak, because we struggle so mightily with this, because it's so hard for us to get to the Word, Scripture tells us that the Word came to us. John chapter 1, right? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ He really is the true and greater Joshua. He's the one that that we really need. He's the one who didn't need to be reminded to be strong and courageous. Instead, he followed the law perfectly and he followed it fearlessly. That's what scripture tells us. He faced the greatest enemies that we faced, right? Not the Canaanites and the Amalekites, but he faced the enemies of sin and death. You might know that Joshua and Jesus, it's actually the same name. Uh, It's just the Greek translation, Yeshua. To that first Joshua, God says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But to Yeshua, in that moment of greatest need, we find that God was not with him. Instead, on the cross, instead of being present with him, Jesus was forsaken by God. Instead, he got what we deserve, not abundant life, but abandonment to death. On the cross, Jesus took that defeat that we deserve and he gave us a victory that we didn't earn and so that's the good news for us. The good news for us today is that everybody who looks to Jesus for their salvation here in this room never needs to fear that God's going to leave us behind. Even amidst our greatest weakness, we can rest assured that he's with us. Jen read uh, John 14 for us, where Jesus, he makes that promise firsthand. He says, the spirit of truth dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. And so as we wrap up right now, I just want to close by reminding you of that promise. The promise for all those in Christ is that your God is with you wherever you go. And if that's true, then this week I want to challenge you to to do whatever it takes to flee from sin to be strong and courageous, to fill yourself up with the truth. Man, I would love it if we would become people of the Word. If we wouldn't take the assignment to go read your Bibles as some burdensome task, some new to-do list that you have on your plate for this week, but instead receive it as, as an invitation to to read this love letter from your God who desires you to live in abundance. But the abundance that can come only from living a life surrendered to him and and believing his promises. Let's pray. Father, I am uh, thankful for the book of Joshua. And I'm thankful for these books that... um, Maybe we don't visit as often as we should for for personal reflection, to see what truths from history uh, you can apply to our own hearts. And I pray, Lord, as we enter into the promised land with these people over the next few weeks, as we see how you worked and what you promised, Lord, that we would ultimately be pointed back to the true and greater Joshua, to the one who has won the victories for us, who has never failed and who stands in our place. Lord, we are weak people. We're failures. We're defeated by the enemy's lies. God, would you strengthen us today? Would you fill us with this truth? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.